The Long Box Crusade presents... Action Film Face-Off. This episode, it's 1995 versus 1971. In honor of one of tonight's feature films, let's twist this up a little bit and just say, Dos películas entran. Una película sale. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hit. Welcome back to the Battle Arena, folks. As always, this episode is sponsored by our good friends at Omaha Bound Entertainment, your best choice for hard binding any special comics in your collection, maybe magazines. Whatever you got that needs to be hardbound, you just go to omahabound.com. They're going to do a great job on it, give you a unique cover. If you want to go there just to see what they've got for sale, they've got some out-of-print, hard-to-find comics that they have bound into some really nice books. Go check that out, omahabound.com. Treat yourself in your special comics or magazines, whatever you need hardbound. Treat them right. Treat yourself. Treat yourself, oh, fool. Treat yourself. OmahaBound.com. Go there today. And with that, I want to welcome everybody to Action Film Face Off. Bienvenidos. This is the show where two random years are selected. My brother will bring an action film from one random year, while I bring an action film from the other random year. Those two films will do battle using a variety of criteria, and a champion will be crowned by the end of the episode. Let me introduce you to one of your hosts, my brother, a U.S. Army combat veteran of Kosovo and Iraq. It is Jason, the Weasel Skull Albrecht. Arriba! Yes, indeed. We are going to score each of today's films on a scale of 1 to 10 in five categories. What are those five categories, you ask? Well, they are story, overall spectacle, Best action scene, the hero and the villain. And then there will be the deduction round, where up to 10 points can be subtracted from the film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the movie. Have we ever deducted? We never deducted 10 points, have we? No, I think the most we've ever deducted is maybe three, two or three. Well, you'd have to like have a lot of plot holes in your movie to lose yeah. 10 points. <laughs> you'd have to have a craptacular film. At least 10 points. <laughs> but anyway, let's find out what this episode's first action film is going to be from my brother and co-host, a U.S. Air Force combat veteran of Iraq and a combat self-defense instructor, Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist, a.k.a. Death Probe. Shout out to Jerry Green for that sweet guitar riff. Thank you, Jason. Before I reveal our two films that are going into our Video Dome Arena, which I guarantee you has spikes on it, we are thrilled to kick off this episode with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks that have joined our crusade. They enjoy discounts from my online store, which is theyardsaleartist.com. Early access to special Longbox Crusade episodes that get to vote on show content and so much more. These are the folks who are reaping the benefits and giving some much-appreciated support to our show. And Helica Wolf. Bill Beer, Blasted or Stashin, Bob Buster, Braxton Underwood, Dave Collins, but you know him as Battlewagon, Gene Hendricks, Gerald Green, Greg Van Leuven, I, the Collector, Ivor Evans, Jeremy L, 
Don't squeeze the Jim German. Joe Thomas. John Watson. John and Maggie. Jose Poyo. Maxwell Trevor. Miranda W. Paul Hicks. I promised Paul that I'd do different versions of his name on each episode so ah. he could select how I did. He didn't like how I was reading him in an Australian accent, so that's... It was getting old, was it? Yeah. Freshening it up. There you go. All right, let's continue on with Reggie Hancock. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Ronald Went. Ross Michaud. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Steve Cronin. Timmy. Tim Christ. And the Toronto Cop. And our one-time donor, Bradford William. If we miss anyone on our list, we apologize. Keep in mind, we record these episodes well in advance of release, so if you're a recent addition, we'll be adding you soon, but still no worries. Just let us know we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We will get it straightened out. You might be asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? How do I become a Crusaders Club member so you can crush my dreams once again? Do you have a dollar a month? I do. All right, then it's simple. Just head over to patreon.com and search for Longbox Crusade. For as little as that $1 a month, you'll get, well, you being everybody but Jason, will get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come check it out. Well, let's get back to the combat and learn a bit about the film Gladiators about to battle for your pleasure. This episode, I was assigned the year of 1995, and I have selected Desperado, starring Antonio Banderas and Selma Albrecht. Hayek, sorry. Um, (laughs) What year did the randomizer select for you? Well, I got 1971, and I put into our Videodome arena, The Omega Man, starring Charlton Heston, Anthony Zerby, and Rosalind Cash. Nice. We've got a fine matchup for this one, folks. Now, it's important to point out that this isn't Jared versus Jason. We each had to select from our assigned year, so I might very well like his selection better than mine or vice versa. This is about us discussing some beloved action films and coming to a consensus on which one is this episode's champion. Now, let me give you your spoiler warning. We're about to get into these. We're going to talk all about them, up, down, left, right. Nothing will be sacred. So if you want to avoid spoilers, you can pause here. And on the other side of this music interlude, we will come back from the break and we'll get to talking. Welcome back from the break. I hope you enjoyed those features. So let me jump in with some quick information on 1995's Desperado. I was visiting a bar, and in he walked. You saw his face? His face? No. I mean, every step he took towards the light, just when you thought his face was about to be revealed, it wasn't. It was as if the lights dimmed, just for him. They called him a loner. I know who you are. Really? You kill drug dealers. The woman I love. You ruined my life. They called him a miss. You've heard stories of that man that carries a guitar case full of weapons. Find him and kill him. I hope you don't think you can take someone like Ucho all by yourself. Really? They made the mistake of calling his bluff. Is there something in the guitar case? A guitar? No. It's time to face the music. Let's play. (laughs) 
Desperado, the new film from Robert Rodriguez. Okay, your cast and crew is, as previously stated, we got Antonio Banderas and Selma Hayek, directed by Robert Rodriguez, and your synopsis is as follows. Once a promising young guitar player, El Mariachi lost the woman he loved and his ability to play the guitar to some drug-dealing scum. This all happened due to a case of mistaken identity in the original independent film, El Mariachi. Now, El Mariachi is a one-man killing spree, taking down drug dealers and criminals anywhere he finds them. Think of it as a south-of-the-border Punisher. On his way to kill the biggest drug dealer in the region, Bucho, he finds himself falling in love with the unbelievably gorgeous Carolina. Who wouldn't? Whew. Can he walk away from his vendetta for this captivating beauty? Or is there more here to be discovered? Interesting trivia for this film. Well, I thought it was interesting. Director Robert Rodriguez said on the DVD commentary that the day they shot Selma Hayek's love scene with Antonio Banderas, the entire crew showed up to see it. Then he continued to say that apart from the actors, himself, and the script supervisor, those were the only ones that were allowed to be on set for the nude scene of Selma Hayek. Man, there's people clocking early that day. <laughs> I don't blame them, man. I do, I do not blame them. And, you know, just to show there's no gender bias, I mean, the ladies get the full Antonio Banderas treatment. So, yeah, he was a good looking man. It was a hot set is. that day. <laughs> Steamy. Trivia fact number two. Due to the film's relatively low budget, the same two stuntmen were used through the entire movie. No way. <laughs> Two guys work their tails off. Holy but. cow. Those are two guys that were taking some ice baths at the end of the day. <laughs> I've got more trivia, by the way. I'll try to sprinkle in throughout our discussions. But my final official one is I'm very impressed with this. Antonio Banderas performed all his own singing and his guitar work for the song Canción del Mariachi during the opening credits, which, by the way, is an excellent song. I'm going to go on and on about the soundtrack later. That is an excellent song with awesome guitar work backed by Los Lobos and lead vocals by Antonio himself. And it is killer. Great job, Antonio Banderas. That was a good song. That was a heck of an opener, too. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I guess I'm up next and I will give you the rundown on 1971's Omega Man. Mother. 
Cast included Charlton Heston, Anthony Zerby, and Rosalind Cash. It was directed by Boris Sagal. The Last Man on Earth is Not Alone. Dr. Robert Neville is the sole survivor of a deadly bioweapon that has killed most human life on Earth. With the exception of Neville, those among the living have devolved into sentient creatures of the night bent on destroying Neville and turning away from the science that has killed and disfigured them. In a seemingly never-ending war, Neville hunts them by day and defends his fortress-like home from them at night. When he discovers that there are other human survivors, the Omega Man uses his antibody-rich blood and medical skills to save them and bring back the human race, which is something the night creatures cannot allow. So, a couple trivia facts here. Number one. The interracial love scene was still very controversial in 1971, and it made Rosalind Cash nervous. Charlton Heston admitted to her that he was nervous, too, playing biblical roles like Moses, and he helped her overcome her nerves. The second trivia fact is that the facade of Neville's home still exists today, and it looks almost exactly the same as when the movie was filmed. And if you want to take a look at it, you can see it on Google Street View. And finally. The fountain from the opening credits of the Friends TV show is on the exact location as the fountain where Neville dies at the end of the film. Spoiler! And now that we have the basics on today's contestants. Ladies and gentlemen, test your might. Welcome back. We are about to get into our rounds for the benefit of our longtime listeners, like the lovely Laurel. And by the way, Jason, we did not hear from any female listeners on the last episode, so it was official. <laughs> it's Laurel's Laurel. it. It's just you, Laurel. Thanks for listening. <laughs> but for all of our listeners, we play a little game called Match Game as we go through these rounds. There are up to 10 opportunities for Jason and I to match scores. I don't know his scores. He doesn't know my scores. So how many times do you think we're going to match in these two films? Hmm, let's think about it. And it's also germane to point out that since we're talking about scoring, five is middle of the road. 
five is it's okay. It did its job. It's not outstanding. It's not bad. It's just five is the middle of the road. Going up from there, that's good. Going down from there, that's bad. So I think we've got the basics. So let's get into round one. Round one is the story. How engaging or original is the story? Jason, I turn it over to you for Desperado 1995. Well, thank you, Jared. And I'm going to say right away that I have a feeling that we may not match quite as often on Desperado. I know you <gasps> really like this film. I do. I, I do. seem to recall that you may have dressed as El Mariachi <laughs> for Halloween one year. I was going to bring that up. It's a, a spoiler, everyone. I actually did dress as El Mariachi for Halloween one year. I was in college and we were doing a Halloween trick or treat for canned goods charity drive. And I did dress as El Mariachi. Guilty as charged. I admire your passion, sir. So, I was to say this about the story. I think it was a pretty basic revenge plot. There were some plot twists in there, but they were pretty obvious. And it really kind of just serves to get you from one action scene to the other, which isn't bad if you're an action film. I mean, it's not called plot film face-off. It's <laughs> action film face-off. We're not covering Hitchcock films here. People. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's no Stanley Kubrick, but, you know. But I will say that the... Location in Mexico and the Mexican flavor makes it more interesting, in mm -hmm. my opinion. Yep. I'm kind of bleeding over into the actor's realm, but I think that all the actors really pump it up. I'm going to agree with you. Uh, our scores might be closer than you might think, because I had to be a little honest with it. I mean, is this a terribly original story? No. <laughs> it's one of these movies where the story is not very original, but the polish on it is nice. He gave us good action, good polish on a not terribly original story. And I'm perfectly okay with that. At least you put some attention into your craft and you made a, a very good movie. So if you get a low score in story, Mr. Robert Rodriguez, don't be sad because there's higher scores to come. And let's say spectacle and best action scene. <laughs> and hero. And hero. It's a good stuff. Yeah, on, on it's the some way. good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Let's turn back the time machine a bit and go to 1971 Omega Man, Charlton Heston. Now I'm going to play my sound clip because first time for me. What about you? Yeah, this was the first one for me too. It's funny. I picked up this movie. I think I got it out of like one of those Walmart bins. Like a $3 DVD bin? Yeah. And so I've had it. It was still in the wrapper when I took it out to watch it for this show. Had it for a long time and never watched it. It's essentially the forerunner of I Am Legend, the Will Smith movie. Very similar in flavor. It's both based off the Richard Matheson story. It was really edgy for its time. I kind of brought that up uh, with the interracial love scene. There was also the violence in there, although it looks, I guess, maybe a little more tame by today's standards. But 1971, it got a little guff from the critics for how violent it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, push the edge, push the 71 envelope. But I thought that it did a really good job of questioning humanity, morality, and sanity trying to put yourself in the shoes of being the last human being on the planet. And I thought it did a really good job of covering those themes. I concur, man. Great, 
job, by the way. What's funny is Jason references is this is the pre-runner to I Am Legend with Will Smith, which I have not seen, but I have seen the original film, which is called Last Man on Earth, starring Vincent Price. So this is actually the second, this is the first remake of <laughs> It's been made three times. This is number two. And I've seen the first one, Vincent Price, a couple of times, and I'm a fan. Really good movie. So I went into this sort of with the Vincent Price movie on my mind. Like, can it live up to the Vincent Price one? Because I think it's really good. And it did. What it lacked in sort of that, I think the original was made in the late 50s, or early 60s. What it lacked in that sort of black and white charm it made up for by kind of pushing the envelope, like you said, with the violence was welcome here on Action Film Face Off. The interracial relationship, which was due and controversial in 71. The actress was great. She was gorgeous. And Charlton Heston was on his A game. And it was just a fun time capsule for me. I admit, I think I score things a little higher when it's a first timer for me because I just really enjoy so much the first time. But there's a lot to like in this one. Yeah, I agree. I mean, similar to you, but a little different. I didn't see the Vincent Price one, but I did see the Will Smith remake, the I Am Legend. I was kind of worried that I would go into this and be like, well, is this basically going to be like I Am Legend, but with worse effects? You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, good. Like that's 70, fair. 70s effects. And it's different enough that it has its own unique flavor. I will say that. I want to see it. I hear good things. Maybe when that year comes up on Action Film Face. That's going to say. We'll have to make little notes. I don't think our randomizer only goes back to 1970, so we'll never have the original. But it's not much of an action film. It's more of a taut thriller. Hmm. And I, I highly recommend it to any of our listeners out there. It's called Last Man on Earth. It's quite good. Well, I want to take a look at it. I recommend it. Okay, let's score these films. Jason, let's go back to 1995's Desperado. On a scale of 1 to 10, will we have our first match game? I actually hold out hope that we will. What do you got? Well, like I said, this was basic storytelling. So I kind of started at a 5, but I pumped it up 1 because of the uh, Latin flavor, shall we say. So I gave it a 6. I gave it a six match game. Really? I'm shocked. I was like, I think we're going to come out of the game. I I like the movie a lot, but I had to be honest with myself. It's not an original story, but it has a lot of neat polish. A lot of great little character actors. I'm sure we'll get into that later. A lot of great setting and just a lot of good stuff. (laughs) All right. Let's go into 1971's Omega Man. Did you uh, like the story a little better, a little worse, maybe the same? What do you got? I liked it better. This was a really good movie for its time period. It was very edgy, and it held up well still. Anytime that you have a movie that has a contemporary remake, that kind of speaks highly to it. So I landed on an eight with this one. Oh, just missed the match game. I gave it a higher score than Desperado, but I went with the seven. Okay. And yeah. I think while you were explaining it, I could see why, because you're like, okay, it got remade and it's a great story where I had already been exposed to the roots of the story from seeing the last man on earth a couple of times. And so maybe I didn't enjoy the story as much because I kind of knew the basics already, but I mean, you'd seen I am legend. So you knew it from a different angle. Eh, whatever. Well, honestly speaking, I went with my time tested formula of if I look at a view to a kill, <laughs> You do kill sevens across the board. <laughs> and I thought this story was a little bit better. than One of these yeah. episodes, we're going to get 1985 and a view to a kill, and everybody's going to know what's coming. It's going to be the greatest match game ever. It's just seven, everybody's going to be drunk if they're playing seven, the taken version. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be glorious. 
All right. So Jason cranked it up a notch to an eight, and I have a seven and sixes for both of us on Desperado, and that's the end of round one. Well, I guess it's time to go into round two, and we're going to talk about the hero. Get over here! So how cool is the hero or heroes in the story? We'll start with Desperado. Was he pretty cool? What does Jared think? Hmm. Is he pretty cool? Yeah. Yeah, he's cool. Yeah, he's cool. I mean, I dressed up for him as Halloween. Man, that scorpion jacket was baller. I know it's your turn, but I'm going to say that. That scorpion jacket was baller. Him carrying the guitar, those mariachi pants with the little chains on them and the silver and the one spur that clinks whenever his foot hits and the sawed off double barrel shotgun. Anyway, there's a lot to like about El Mariachi. He's got some sort of funny lines. He has that magical ability to be funny during the most violent of situations. I want to point out the scene where... It's near the end of the bar fight. And there's one guy left. And they keep picking up guns off the floor and trying to shoot each other, but they're empty. Yep. And he finally just snaps the dude's neck with just a, I have to bleep it, but with a fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty funny. Or or he just kind of looks somebody in the eye and go, no, 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 no. <laughs> if you want to go, then go. <laughs> you know, he's He just brings that undeniable Antonio Banderas charm to it and this is the movie jason that turned me around on him because up until this he'd been he had a small part in philadelphia he was in the mambo kings his star was on the rise and i was anti-antonio really uh, yeah i was like he's just this I pretty know anybody boy anybody was anti-antonio well you got to put yourself in the right frame okay i'm in high school and so now the girls are starting to talk about antonio banderas you know how it is in your high school you're like Pfft. Screw that guy, right? And no matter who it is, right? Because you got to be macho and all this. But I was like, this is just a pretty boy. Whatever. I saw this movie came. I saw the trailers for it. And I'm like, whatever. Antonio Banderas is just a pretty boy. And I actually didn't see it in theaters. Picked it up on VHS. And I was just like, wow, this movie is really good. And Antonio is <laughs> incredible. Did a 180. Uh, he's got a great look. Acts it well. It's obvious he's having fun. There's lots to say. I'll let you pick it up from here. No, I think you nailed it, man. I thought Antonio Banderas was simply outstanding in this film. I mean, he's handsome, he's charming, he's lethal, he's deadly, he's physical. He probably had to ice down a little bit. He was young, though. He, You know, at <laughs> that age, you can cover from that stuff. Oh, I want to give him the ultimate compliment real quick. The ultimate compliment from Jared is if you can get in league with Timothy Dalton in anything, then that's super high praise for me. Wolf size. He had those eyes when he would look up with that look where he wasn't fooling around. That was a Timothy Dalton wolf size right there. Yeah, they had some of those scenes where, you know, his hair's all long and he's kind of in the dark and you just see those eyes just come out at you. That's a mm. uh, that's a sexy man. Sexy. Whoa. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> I will say, too, I'd like to give a shout out to uh, Steve Buscemi. I thought he was fantastic in the film as well. Wish he could have been in there a little bit more. What are we going to say about Selma Hayek, man? This is for you, Delvin. Dim thighs. Holy <laughs> cow. That is a good-looking woman. And she was charming as heck in this film. And then you, at the end, you have those. I don't know if they were from the. I didn't see the first movie, so I apologize. But I can help you out here. The Campa and Kino characters. Okay. They were awesome. They Rest were peace, awesome. but they were awesome. Were they in the first movie? They were not in the first movie, as my memory recollects. Now, bear in mind, it's been several years since I've seen it. But I will tell you this. The guy who played, I don't remember if it was Comp or Aquino on the dual machine gun cases. He had two cases, both spout and machine gun. That was cool. That guy was the guy who played the original El Mariachi. Okay. When it was, when it was an independent film. So I think Robert Rodriguez probably wrote in Comp on Kino 
especially for him as sort of a thank you for doing my independent film. Let me give you a role in my big budget film. And, and I got to be honest with you, the first El, El Mariachi movie is really good, for, especially with the budget he had. He stretched it, and it's a good movie. Well, these two were interesting characters. I just didn't know if there was some backstory I was missing. But No, I, the only backstory they really give you is sort of that dream he has at the beginning when he's playing with his friends. Yeah. And then it all takes a turn. And if you, again, if you hadn't seen the first one, and we may be getting other rounds here, but his dream takes a turn because the man in the white suit comes out. And he was the villain from the first one. And he mm-hmm. strikes the match on the dude's face, who was like his right-hand man in the first one. It was sort of Robert Rodriguez's way of tying the two together and continuing the story. But I, I felt like if you hadn't seen the first one, it would just be confusing. I hadn't seen the first one, so I, I guess I just thought it was just kind of a cool villain thing to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't know that there was anything beyond that. It just like... The way that it was filmed, and I guess this is a credit to the director, you just kind of knew something bad was going to happen. And the way that that character played it up and lit that match off the guy's face, <laughs> you're like, oh, this is the bad guy. You know, that. Well, from the kinda... first movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that was the bad guy from the first movie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I get it's you. Weird. I get it's it's weird. It's strange. Anyway, anything else on the heroes? Oh, wait, this is your uh, round. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, we got to go talk about Omega Man and Charlton Heston, old Guns and Moses. What'd you think of uh, the hero from Omega Man? Did you just make up Guns and Moses? I've never heard of that before. <laughs> I, I stole it from Robin Williams. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I am going to admit that I am kind of a sucker for Charlton Heston, and I didn't even really encounter him until later in life. I didn't see the original Planet of the Apes until about 2002-ish. I hadn't really seen any Charlton Heston films until about that time. And as I've watched more and more over time, I find him to be a charming actor and a fun action presence. I still haven't seen a ton of his films, but the ones I have seen, I've really liked. So Charlton Heston stars on the rise with me much later. And <laughs> like I said, I've only got to know him in the last 18 years or so, but I've enjoyed it. And I thought going back to what you said in round one about the story, I thought he did a real good job playing that character who has to kind of struggle with his sanity about being the last person. He kind of talks to a statue and he does it in a believable way. Like, I mean, we don't know what it's like, but. It just felt right. And I thought he did a real good job. And you got he's got to kind of carry the movie himself because he's Omega Man. He's the last man on Earth. A lot of focus goes on his shoulders. And I thought he carried it. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think Charlton Heston was one of those actors that was just kind of outside of our formative years. To, to me, he's always Arnold Schwarzenegger's movie. boss and true lies. I know. <laughs> <laughs> You're new to Harry's team, aren't you? <laughs> He's great. He's awesome. So this is really one of the first movies that I've seen him in as well. I'll admit, I've never seen any of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, I haven't. Sorry. It's kind of outside my wheelhouse. But I did enjoy this one, and I can see what made him such a great leading man. I also wrote down in my notes here, I thought it was interesting how he played a guy that's really fighting to keep his sanity as much as he's fighting the threats of the the family in the movie. The one that got me was when he's by himself in the street and he thinks he hears all those phones ringing and he's like yelling to himself, there are no phones ringing. Mm, You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was good. And every time uh, he saw a calendar, it would like remind him that 
it's been that long because he, he'd stumble across a calendar that hadn't been moved in years. And that's right. And it, yeah. it would kind of freeze him up. And I was like, that's nice little detail acting right there. Yeah. He did a really good job of acting and did some very physical stuff in the movie as well. And I thought the supporting actors there from the hero side, uh, Lisa and Dutch and Richie, I thought they were all very well played as well. I like them too. Definitely. So I guess we're going to score them. Let's talk Desperado. Hero, Antonio Banderas. Liked him a lot. Not ready to give him elite status, but I really enjoyed it. Land on an eight. You know, I might have to revisit my thought about this because that's exactly <laughs> what I gave him as well. Eight points for me. Definitely made his action film Bones, which made him a very nice addition to the Expendables franchise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's you throw that on the resume. This is an action film. He was also yeah. in some other stuff, like he played uh, in Assassins. Assassins with, uh, was good, yeah. With Sly, we may be getting to that one day. Before we get to Assassins, let's talk about the movies we have uh, on the menu right here. Let's okay. talk about Omega Man. Charlton Heston, Dr. Robert Neville. What are we giving him? I think he's very good. Not quite Antonio, but close. Seven. I'm right there with you. I thought exactly uh, the same game. thing. Match game. We had three matches already. Yep. Yep. Seven points is what I gave him as well. I thought that he's about as cool as Roger Moore in A View to a Kill. Yeah. And he was older in this film. This is later in his career. And luckily he was still, I think, handsome. And maybe even as he's getting older, he's got a charm about him that when he does get with the girl, it doesn't feel terribly weird. Factor in, he is literally the last man on earth. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The choices well, I mean, she could have done a lot limited. worse. She could have done a lot worse. Than... He could have done a lot worse. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, he was just, just handsome and charismatic enough, I think, to sell that. No, I agree. I, I thought he did a very good job, well above average, not quite to Antonio Banderas's level of Desperado. Well, let's get into round three. Hadouken! Round three is the villain. How menacing and or entertaining is your villain? Jason, let's get into Desperado. There's a couple of villains. How are you breaking it down? We'll start with the main bad guy. That's Bucho. I always like that act. I think it's Joaquin Delameda yeah. or something. Yeah, he's like good. That. He's good. He's good. Yeah, I recognized him from, I think it was a clear and present danger. He was the villain in that one as well. He is a really good actor. Very well played. And then you have kind of his minions. He has such a rogues gallery. You know, mm -hmm. you got Cheech as the bartender. Come on. That <laughs> is fantastic. Then you got Danny Trejo as, what was his name? Navajas or Navias or something like that. Something like that. Knife throwing guy. He was cool as hell. Yeah, uh, what was your favorite thing he said in the whole movie? I don't think he said a word. He didn't say a word. Not a one the word. Whole movie. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> you know, they killed him too quickly, though, man. I wanted him. Well, I'll, I'll really jump in with a little bit of my extra trivia. A lot of that kind of stuff is budgetary. They had Cheech. I think they could afford him for six days. I want to say it was similar for Steve Buscemi. It was like six or eight days. Quentin Tarantino was a couple of days, maybe one or two days. It was a lot of condensed scheduling, so they had to make the most of what they had. And side note to my side note, get a load of this. During filming, when they're having off-camera discussions and just hanging out, Robert Rodriguez and Danny Trejo realized that they were second cousins. Really? Yeah. <laughs> they, through their discussions, they found out they were related. 
Danny Trejo wouldn't give him a couple more days just for the family? Come on. It was a lot to do with time compressed shooting schedules. Yeah, basically they had a, a lot of good minions, a lot of good lackeys. But the one thing I noticed is there's not really much as far as memorable takeouts, you know, like the hero taking on these guys to get to Bucho at the top. That's mm-hmm. They're pretty much disposable at the end of the day. And so that bothered me a little bit. Yeah, that's weird as they kind of went out of their way to give us a little subplot about the young guy. Yes, exactly. And he ended up being completely disposable as well. It was just like, okay. I mean, to me, the most memorable, of course, the lead bad guy was really good. And I'm not going to lie. There's going to be a little bit of bump up for having Danny Trejo. And I like that girl, too. She was good looking, but you could tell she was an effing around. Yeah. I can't remember what her name was. Like his right hand, his girlfriend slash. I don't remember what her name is either. But yeah, I know you're talking about. She's cold as ice. Mm-hmm. The other guy was his right hand man. One that always wanted to drive his truck and not take the car. Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone know the number to my car? Hey, f- it's a new car, boss. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I've gone far afield, but yeah, let's go into a Mega Man 1971. Uh, there's an awful lot of bad guys. Yep, a lot of bad guys. I know it's your turn to talk about. I'm going to tell you right off the bat. There's going to be a small bad guy bump. And I bet you can figure out why. You like Zerby's character? Anthony Zerbe, who was also a bad guy in License to Kill. Okay. Huh. <laughs> I got his head blown up in a decompression chamber. <laughs> That's right. That's, oh my goodness. I didn't even know. I was like, oh, we got a view to a kill bad guy. Anyway. Got a little, he's getting an LTK bump. So anyway, I thought that the family were interesting, but there wasn't a whole lot of backstory or depth to them. I would have liked to seen a little bit more of their culture and their motivations. I would have liked to seen more of a battle of maybe morals, like the different philosophies between Neville and Matthias. You had a potential to have kind of like a Xavier Magneto mm-hmm. kind of thing going on there. Mm-hmm. And it really was... Not that. Yeah, they they almost tried to play that up a little bit, you know, but they never just delivered on it. Right. Yes. I I saw where they were trying to go with it. Just didn't feel like they quite got there. To your point, we talked a little bit about Zerbe. I thought he was a great actor, but I think they should have given him more. That's just my personal opinion. The character of, what was his name? The black guy. uh, Oh, I knew you were going to Zachary. 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 Yeah, he was cool. Zachary. He's another one that I, I would have liked to get some more backstory on him. I thought he was underused as well. That's fair. I don't have a lot of memorable things to say for the villainy in Omega Man. Anthony Zerbeg gets a little bit of a bump because he's Milton Crest from License to Kill. Zachary was interesting. I like their tenacity. I like how they had like that daily schedule of, well, it's time to go try to kill Neville, you know, every day and sort of that round and round they had. But Again, I just found them, and this is a carryover, by the way, so it might be a carryover from the book as well, but a carryover from The Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price. It's uh, kind of a little nebulous there, too. It's kind of like, what are the motivations? Like, I actually asked that out loud during the movie. Like, why do they come here every night? He's just one guy. Yeah. Just let him alone. I guess because he's hunting them during the day, they got to fight back. That makes a little bit of sense, but just move. If you took your little night band of crew and moved to a different city, problem solved. Or even just like in the opposite side of the city. Yeah, it's a big yeah. city. Just go to the other side of town. Anyway. Yeah. You could never see each other again. Yeah. This movie did suffer a little bit from not having a real oomph to its villain. Yeah, I agree. 
Oh, let's score them. Let's go back to 1995. And what do you got, man? Like I said, I thought the character of Bujo was pretty cool. I was prepared to score it a little bit lower, but that, hey, f- <laughs> it over my car. Had me rolling. New car, I, boss. I thought that was really good. And that scene where he's like, how hard is it? It's like this guy. I don't know him. I've never seen him before. Oh, he's got a gun. <laughs> then he just shoots the guy. Was that so hard? I thought that was funny as well. Again, you had several people that really kind of bumped it up a little bit, but they fizzled off in the end. There was no big payoff to having some of these these folks in there. So at the end of the day, I gave it a seven. Match game. Really? Okay. Didn't think we were going to we... match in Desperado, but we've I... matched every single time. I'm really surprised. Mega Man, we've had one mismatch. Right. Okay. Let's see what happens now. All right, Omega Man villain. Like I said, interesting characters with the family. A lot of potential, didn't really deliver. I didn't make the license to kill connection, but I thought Zerby did a really good job. So I landed on a six. Match game. I also gave it a six, which means we have now matched five out of six times on this episode. Well, well, well. Let me tell you who's not keeping the stats on that. I know somebody who is definitely not keeping the stats on that. I'm going to guess Mountain Flower. Yeah, she clearly told you on Twitter that she's not your statistician. (laughs) I stand corrected. (laughs) That's the end of my round for the villain. Let's start talking about spectacle. Prepare to meet Colleen in hell. And we're going to talk overall spectacle, how visually and audioly, auditorily, <laughs> orally, orally. How good is the film overall? We're how talking, does it sound? <laughs> it does. We're talking effects. We're talking cinematography, soundtrack, all that good stuff. How's it packaged up? Let's start with Desperado. Overall all spectacle. right. What are your thoughts? I got thoughts. Mm-hmm. This movie is a spectacle movie in so many ways. I will try to enumerate them. Action scenes are high octane, hot, fast paced, interesting choreography, things I hadn't seen before. You've got the scenes that bridge the gap between the action scenes all have something engaging and usually amusing about them. Mm -hmm. Be it the villain side scenes, Antonio and Carolina in the bookstore, the little kid and the guitar, there's either something captivating about it or something funny about it. Steve Buscemi telling that story at the beginning. I mean, come on, that's good stuff. Quentin Tarantino telling his joke and just kind of being Quentin Tarantino at that bar. The faces they make when they drink the beer. The American girls that come in to complain about the service. There's like a little, just a little accent of entertainment in every scene. Throw on top of that the fact that Robert Rodriguez knows how to film action. He's got that little trademark fade out style, you know, when he's sort of fading out from a scene and it just kind of flash cuts to the hero going into the distance. Or it's very polished, very interesting to look at. The music is incredible. Buy the soundtrack. Buy it today. Listen to it end to end. All the music is done by Los Lobos. Antonio sings his own song. We mentioned that in the trivia. It's amazing soundtrack. I bought it years ago, and I've listened to it probably dozens, if not scores of times. So I'll just keep going if you let me. Pile on. (laughs) Well, I think this might be one of the areas where we may diverge a little bit. I thought there was a lot of frantic gunfights, but they kind of lose their luster by the end. Hint, my best action scene comes early in the movie. 
Yeah, mine does too. <laughs> and then I really, it takes me out of the film so much when he starts snapping his wrist and like throwing bullets. Yeah, it was something I'd never seen before, so I gave it style points. But, you know, we take our firearm usage seriously at Action Film Face Off, and it just doesn't work. Yeah, the behind the back shots, I was like, eh. it, it takes me out of the film after that. And then the thing that really bothered me is we get all the way to the final confrontation, brother versus brother. We don't even get to see it. It's just. Yeah, we see Bucho get shot, and that's it. What happened? You know, Apparently how he did he, everybody? I guess he did. I don't know. I thought there was a lot, a lot of gunfights, but they just kind of lose their luster by the end of it. And I think that's fair. I mean, I had a lot of glowing things to say about it, but you're not wrong. I will agree with you on the soundtrack, though. Soundtrack's Fantastic. great. And yeah. going back to what you said, too, just the cinematography and the setting. I feel like I know my way around San Cecilia. Yeah, I know where to go to get caught. Well, no, they burned that place down. <laughs> <laughs> I know where not to go to get a beer. Yeah, exactly. Can't not- you see their f***ing clothes? <laughs> well, let's talk about spectacle for the Omega Man. What are your thoughts there? Good, solid 1971 spectacle. Yeah, I liked the sweeping shots of the city, how they somehow made this giant city seem vacant. That's hard to pull off in 71. They ain't no dang CGI. I mean, they probably literally had to clear some streets to get those shots. Actually, I learned in the trivia that they found this area where it was literally that dead early on in the morning. And so they went out there and they filmed a lot of those shots before anybody woke up. Well, there you have it. I think they did a real good job creating the environment of solitude for him. And it's so like quiet and bleak, especially in the beginning. And he just starts rattling off gunfire, like laying out fools around. <laughs> like it goes and catches a movie. <laughs> and like every day for his entire life, for the last couple of years, he knows he has to be home by sunset, but he loses track of time. Was at the movies? Come on, Omega Man, get your crap together. But anyway, we're talking about spectacle. And I think overall, the designs of the family, while not having the modern effects available, prosthetics and stuff available, I thought they were interesting to look at his apartment was an interesting layout and memorable there's a lot of memorable visuals Mm -hmm. not so much going on the music i think they didn't use a ton of music in the movie because they needed that solitude feeling but when they did use it it was to good use but not super memorable i pass to you i just kind of mimic everything you said i thought the action scenes were were pretty gritty particularly for the 1970s the city was creepy as hell just being by yourself out there it seemed strange my big criticism is I wish the climax would have been a little better. I kind of wanted to see a little bit more other than him just getting hit by a spear. Both these movies on this episode suffer from weak climax. Yeah. Got to finish strong, man. Enough talk. Let's score them. What are you giving the spectacle of Desperado? I had a lot of glowing things to say about it, but you're not wrong. There was a little bit of fade to it you know it's kind of a paint by numbers action by the end it's still well filmed with a good amount of polish but i'm giving it an eight okay we're differentiating here but not by much i gave it a seven i think i got to the eight because i really like the soundtrack the soundtrack is really good i should have factored that in a little bit more well what about omega man what did you give the spectacle there above average but not super memorable and to me that means a six Exactly the same for exactly the same reasons. Gave it a six as well. Match game. Mm-hmm. We are matching a lot tonight. Matching a lot. One, two, three, four, five, six matches. Pace yourself, Laura. <laughs> she yeah. doesn't work here. All right. Let's go into round five. 
Nobody's bitch. Round five is the best action scene. You're on action film face off. You better have a good action scene. I suspect Jason and I have the same action scenes that we like, but let's let Jason do that thing where he breaks it down for us. Break down the scenes of Desperado. Well, scene number one is the opening scene as told by the inimitable Steve Buscemi, El Mariachi taking out the first bar full of hooligans. And I called it Rack 'em Up because he shot that guy on the rack with the, the deer. Deer, deer. He rack. shot him up and he paled on the horns. Thought that was cool. Yes, indeed. Second one that I figured on was the second bar that was bartended by the inimitable <laughs> Cheech Marin. That's the one where he comes in there with the guitar case with all the guns. I had two titles for it. I don't know which one I like best. The first one, I just called it, that has got to be the heaviest guitar case of all time. That was, <laughs> that was a lot of stuff. In that a lot guitar. of ordinance, yeah. And then the second one, I thought, was <laughs> just like one of the funniest lines. Quentin Tarantino says, uh, is that happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> he got so killed I, for his troubles. Yeah, I call that, is that happening right now? Or <laughs> that has to be the heaviest guitar case of all time. I also was going to throw F.U. in there for the very end, but... <laughs> It's family show. It makes me laugh every time. I know. So there's a couple ways I could have gone. But you know the scene I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Danny Trejo, that scene, throws knives into everybody. I call that knife to meet you. Knife to meet you. <laughs> and then you have the scene at the bookstore where we learn at the end that she kept all her cash in the books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I call that burning through some cash. Burning through some cash. <laughs> And then the last one I just called brother versus brother because that's I have no idea what happened in there, so I couldn't think of what name. You don't have one for when Caponquino show up. I kind of threw that with the brother versus brother. Oh, okay, okay. No, I got you. Yeah, no, I should have I, I should have mentioned that before, but yeah, because because the brother versus brother, there wasn't really you didn't really see what happened, but that fight leading up to up it, to it. No, yeah, I got you. What, what I was thinking, so got you. Lots of good stuff to choose from now. Uh, so what was your choice for best action scene? I think we have the same one. I went with the very first opener. I thought that one where oh. she, I, I know you were thinking I was going to go with the, the camp. And key, but no, I, no, no. I, I went with the second one, the second bar. Oh, okay. Okay. I went with the first one. I just thought Both that good. one. Both good. The way that it was told by Steve Buscemi. Oh, yeah. The way that it was filmed the dark grittiness of the bar him with that shotgun i thought that was pretty cool that was cool he runs his hand through his hair and he comes up and it's got now it's got a shotgun in it (laughs) yep no that was a great scene i went with the next one the second bar fight if you will i thought that was high energy and it had a couple of laughs in it you miss me (laughs) 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 and uh i enjoyed it so no nothing wrong with that all right, give us the rundown on the action scenes of a Mega Man. I started with the first one. I call I'm getting that parking spot. That's <laughs> <laughs> it's your highlight for tonight. I can see. Yeah, that's my favorite one. <laughs> he was killing fools to get into that parking garage. I thought that was funny. He's trying to get into his own parking garage, and people are just waiting out there to try to take him down. The second one happens shortly after that. That's when he's back up in his apartment, and they start lobbing catapults. This is more an observation than a title, but I call it, that's a weak-ass catapult. (laughs) 
They were not even coming close. They did get one in the window, I guess. So. I mean, you think if you went there every night, you'd eventually land one of those catapult shots? You think that would be sighted in by now, yeah, right? No, yeah. I guess they can't just leave it there, though, because he could just go out in the morning and take it down. Anyway, we're overthinking this. Then I have the next one. This is the one where he gets captured and he's in the stadium. And I call that one, I've seen shit that will turn you white. <laughs> <laughs> Ghostbusters. <laughs> well, Ghostbusters reference. I thought that was a good one. The last one, basically the climax, and I kind of counted that from when he goes out to try to rescue Richie mm-hmm. and has to make his way back. And I really didn't have anything funny to say about that one because that was really sad when Richie died. So I and just then he just and then he took a spear to the chest and game over, man. Yeah, I couldn't even make a joke with that one. That was sad. Didn't have any jokes bubbling up from your fountain of ideas? (laughs) (laughs) Like Kool-Aid Man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no, indeed. (laughs) Get your spear out of me, you damn dirty family man. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's go ahead and score them. You picked the opening scene. I picked the second bar shootout. You liked the opening scene to the tune of? I'm going to go ahead and give that one an eight. I thought that one was well filmed, set the tone of the movie, and very memorable. Match game. I gave mine an eight as well. We are just match gaming like crazy tonight. I think if I would have had some backstory of Campa and Kino, I might have liked that one a little better. But I was just like, who are these guys? Where are they? They're cool. All right. I guess I'll just. Director's friends. (laughs) Okay. I'll buy it. All right, our last chance at a match game. We sit at seven matches now. What's Oh, we didn't tell what scene we picked. What scene did you pick from Omega Man? So from Omega Man, I picked the one I've seen that will turn you white, otherwise known as Motorcycle Escape. Oh, just, I never did throw my out there. I called it Escape from L.A. Forum. Ah, that's a good one. <laughs> nice one. I picked the same one, by the way. I liked Escape from the stadium. I scored that one a seven. You, you went seven. I scored it a six. I thought all the action scenes, for the most part, in this movie were sixes. They were interesting to watch, but not super memorable. I just really appreciated the stunt work of the motorcycle chase through there. I've got things to say about that. Do you? Yeah, I watched it on Amazon Prime. So it was in HD. Uh And man, it was painfully obvious when it was like, stuntman on motorcycle. Charlton Heston on motorcycle. Stuntman on motorcycle. Yeah, it was. Joel and I were laughing because it was just so clear in that HD. We were just like, oh, that's funny. I think I read somewhere that this was the first time Charlton Heston had been on a motorcycle. So I that, think Johanna mentioned she likes to read trivia during the movie. I think she mentioned that he was not a big motorcycle guy. I thought that the stunts were really good. And I appreciated too. You know, those are the for real stunts. There's no CGI or anything like that in there. So I enjoyed the stunt work out of that. It was good chasing. That's the end of round five. Only one thing left to do. So it's time for the deduction round. It's time to uh, reduce for the ridiculous. Are you taking any points off of Desperado? And if so, how many? I am not going to take off any points of Desperado. I came close to giving it a minus one for the slinging bullets because that's silly. But I decided to call it even because it was stylized fun that I'd never seen before. If I'd seen it somewhere else before, I definitely would have taken it off. But I gave it the slack to say, okay, he's having some fun with it. He's trying out some new things. I'll break even. So I ended up taking away now. I'm going to tell you, I took two points off of this. Because this was... Que lastima. 
There was ridiculous gunplay all through here. There was. There's a reason why you've never seen it before. You should never have to see that again. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was fun. Eh, Fair enough. It took me out of those moments, I have to say. I wanted to like it. And I just see that and I go, no. I think I can find the balance here because 1995 is uh, when it came out. I probably saw it on VHS in 96. I hadn't had any firearms training by that point. So to me, it was just a fun thing. Now, I guess, and it was kind of a 90s thing to do, too. It was a 90s trope. Now that I've had firearms training, been to a combat zone, yeah, I, I noticed it a lot more on this viewing for preparation for this episode. And I consider, like I, said, I consider minus in it for some of the sillier gunplay. But I don't know. I think this is a nostalgia charm for me that you didn't have because you'd already been firearms trained and all that when you saw it. So the first time you saw it, you were probably like, that's ridiculous. Where I was like, oh, that's cool. He's slinging the bullets. <laughs> <laughs> He's just snapping his wrist and bullets oh, going there. Look at that. So cool. So I, oh, I, that reminds me though, I did want to give props to one thing that I noticed in the movie right after my favorite action scene, the second bar fight. I wonder if you picked up on this too. This is a rare movie moment where after all that shootout and stress and all that, did you notice that like he is disheveled and he is covered in sweat? Oh yeah. And I was like, movies don't often get that right. You know, the cool guy hero just kind of straightens himself off and moves up. Like uh, for those of us who have been in combat before, and I know you and I have, it's sweaty. This is stressful. <laughs> yeah, you're wore out. You're ready to sleep for a week after. Yeah, that. and I thought he played that detail quite well. Yeah, no, that is a fair point. Well, going over to Omega Man, are you deducting anything from the Omega Man? And if so, how much? Zero deductions. I thought it was a fine film. Nothing really bothered me. I'm going to do something a little radical. I don't know if I've done this before. Oh, Jared, make an adjustment round. Are you going to plus it? Yes, and I'm going to tell you why. I have a very good reason why. I'm listening. They fooled me. They pulled the wool over my eyes in this movie. Really? Yes. Because when Lisa went out in that final scene when she was going shopping, Mm -hmm. it got dark and it shows her walking. I was like, minus one. I wrote it down. Minus one. This is ridiculous. She knows better. Knows better. That's what I said. Than to be out at night. And then camera reveal. She's turned. She's She's one of the family. Yeah, I didn't see that coming. I just literally went. Turn that minus into a plus, and you got me. You earned it. <laughs> I you like that. It. I like that. Yeah, I consider minus in it because there was a scene where he was in the store when they first met. And she was trying to become pretend she was a mannequin. And I'm like, that is clearly not a mannequin. <laughs> Again, it was an HD. That is clearly not a mannequin. There's a woman holding still right there. You know, I thought so too, but I kind of gave it because as we talked about, he's been alone for so long. I think he couldn't trust his eyes. No, no. And I think that's fair. I didn't minus it at the end of the day, but I was just like, that's clearly a woman. <laughs> I thought so too. I was like, but with that context of him not being able to trust his ears with the phones and yeah, he could be seeing things. I like it. Good plus one. Cause I, I was a little, Ooh, I was a little duped as well. Cause I said that exact thing. She knows better than to be shopping at night. I was, I was there's basically one rule. You know, I was already mad at Charlton Heston when he was like, oh, snap, I got to get back from the movies. I'm like, you didn't plan this out. The movie theater doesn't show at certain times, dude. You started that movie. You knew what you're getting into. You know how long that movie is by now, too. It's like, (laughs) you got got down to the second. But again, I kind of thought that, you know, they say that when you're losing your mind, you start losing sense of time. So I kind of gave him a pass for that one as well. All right. Well, that is the end of our official rounds. 
Now, don't worry if you haven't been keeping up with the math at home, folks. We do that for you here at Action Film Faceoff and looking at the judges' scorecards. The winner of this episode with a score of 71 to 67. Tight episode, but the winner is Desperado. Well, congratulations to Desperado. Now let's head over to the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for our next episode. My brother Jared will be pulling a film from... Choose your destiny. Two thousand fifteen, and I will bring a film from. Choose your destiny. Two thousand thirteen. What will those films be? Well, we'll tease them on social media for those of you who want to watch before listening. For people like Dave. Or you can tune in next episode to find out. Until then, I'm Jason Weasel Skull Albrick, and you can find me on social media at Weasel Skull on Twitter or at Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find me, Jared Albrick, the Yard Sale Artist, aka Death Pro, at Yard Sale Artist. That's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all Yard Sale Artists or over on YouTube. I've got a channel there. If you search Yard Sale Artist, you will find me drawing some pictures and stuff. Be sure to check out all the shows under the Longbox Crusade umbrella by subscribing to Longbox Crusade on iTunes, Google Play, pretty much all your finer podcatchers. You can check the show out directly at www.longboxcrusade.com. And of course, if you want to send us a question or comment, we encourage you to do that on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at AFFO Podcast. Or if you want to send an email, you can send it to contact at longboxcrusade.com. But hit us up on that Twitter, man. We want to hear from you at AFFO Podcast. We like to keep the conversation going. We like people to weigh in on their favorites, who they think would win, what some of their favorite films are. So come check us out over there. And if you want to interact with us via live chat and be entered to win some free stuff on our live raffles, join us for the next episode of Doing It Live Stream, which is on YouTube. We do them on the second Sunday of every month. We start at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. You can get signed up for that by looking up Longbox Crusade on YouTube. Please subscribe to our channel and click the bell so you get reminder notifications for when we go live. That's it. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. And until next episode, keep your head down and your knuckles up. The intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face-off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. I like how I left it like a question mark, but we're going to spoil it anyway. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did the same thing. <laughs> like oh, tantalizing. No, Wait eight or ten minutes and we'll tell you. So no one told you life was, was going to be, be this, this way. way. You're dead Got in a fountain. <laughs> Your friends are driving away. <laughs> it seems like your blood is always stuck in this old pool. <laughs> Anyway, I, oh, I, I don't know if I'll take real material right there. She's going to blow him away. <laughs> <laughs>